Hello, my friends, and welcome back to another episode of The Informed Catholic. We're going to do the readings for Monday, uh, the Monday of the first week of Advent. And uh, let's start. Uh, I'm going to do the, the reading for... Well, actually, I'll do both. There's a uh, Isaiah reading for cycle B and C, uh, and then there's A. So I'll just, since this one here, they have the first reading, I guess is an alternative, but we'll do both. So um, let's do the um, a prayer. Let's do a prayer in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. And uh, we'll start with the entrance antiphon. All right. This is from Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 10. And uh, it seems to probably combined with Isaiah 35, 4. All right. Hear the word of the Lord, O nations. Declare it to the distant lands. Behold, our Savior will come. You need no longer fear. And the following collect prayer, keep us Alert, we pray, O Lord, our God, as we await the advent of Christ, your Son, so that when he comes and knocks, he may find us watchful in prayer and exulting in his praise, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners. Now the hour of our death. Amen. Heavenly Father, increase our faith in you and in your Son, Jesus Christ. Reveal to us Jesus, your Son. And Jesus himself would reveal you, Father, to us. You who live in unity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Mary, pray for us. St. Joseph, pray for us. St. Elizabeth and Zachariah, pray for us. And St. John the Baptist, pray for us. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. All right. Uh, first reading, uh, alternative reading, is from Isaiah chapter 2, verse 1 to 5. The Lord will gather all nations into the eternal peace of the kingdom of God. A reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah. This is what Isaiah, son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. In days to come, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established as the highest mountain and raised above the hills. All nations shall stream toward it. Many people shall come and say, Come, let us climb the Lord's mountain to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may instruct us in his ways, and we may walk in his paths. For from Zion shall go forth instruction, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations and impose terms on many peoples. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. One nation shall not raise the sword against another, nor shall they train for war again. O house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. 
This is the reading from uh, also from the first Sunday of Advent, which is um, beautiful. And we talked about it. I, you know, we, we try to walk through it. And that's what I like to do. I like to walk through the scripture. Um, In the days to come, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established as the highest mountain and raised above all the hills. My understanding of this is that it's Christ. He will establish the church, the house of God, on the, on the house of God, the house of the Lord, on the mountain, uh, the mountain of the Lord. Okay, as the highest mountain. The mountain of the Lord's house shall be established as the highest mountain. Mount Zion. Now, of course, it's not earthly Jerusalem because, as I said in the last podcast, Jerusalem was destroyed in the days of the prophet Isaiah and Daniel. It was destroyed by the Babylonians and the Jews themselves had to be expelled, uh, sent out as for their penance uh, 70 years in exile into Babylon. Uh, both under the Babylonians and the the Persians, but as it says, above above the hills, the hills, you can say, is the capitals of all the nations. Rise above the hills uh, as the capital of all the nations, the church, the, the of Christ, which gives will give instruction to all the nations, will be in. You know, from the mountain to all the nations, and all people will know the word of the Lord. And it says next that all the nations shall stream toward it like a river. All, everyone from all nations shall come to receive instruction. Many people shall come and say, Come, let us climb the Lord's mountain to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may instruct us in his ways. This is like the covenant he made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And they want instruction, which is the gospel, the teaching. And then we continue here. And we may walk in his paths. He who wishes to be my disciple must pick up his cross and follow me. Narrow is the way that leads to salvation, to heaven. And wide is the way that leads to hell. For from Zion shall go forth instruction. Mount Zion is where the temple was built. They called it Mount Zion. And remember, uh, David was planning to build a house. He couldn't because he had much blood in his hands because of war and also because of his murder of, um, of Bathsheba's husband trying to cover up their sin. And he then passed it down to his son who did build it. And it was built as the uh, my house shall be house of prayer for all nations. Remember I said that Jesus had to clear up when he, the area he cleared up, which it were the money changers and the animals was the courtyard of the Gentiles. All right. Which is the largest courtyard because it expressed the geography of the world. All right. The, you know, you had the courtyard of the women, the courtyard of the men, the courtyard of the priests. And, you know, the largest one was the Gentile courtyard because it reflected all the nations of the world. 
Well, they, in Jesus' day, placed the animal changes and the money change, the animals, I'm sorry, not animal, the buying and selling animals in the courtyard and the money changers in the courtyard, which is the courtyard of the Gentiles. It was also kind of like an insult, calling the, the Gentiles animals. In a sense... That was a metaphor used in the Ark of the Covenant. I mean, the Ark of Noah. The Ark of Noah housed all the animals and that basically reflected all the different nations and people. But it wasn't meant as an insult. It was meant as a metaphor for the, for the nations and all the peoples. The Ark was a picture of the church. It was a typology of the church. Not the Ark of the Covenant, the Ark of Noah, which was a sacred a, a sacred thing. It was a reflection of the church. Noah is a type of Christ in his day. He was an anointed one because he built the ark. All the biblical figures, even the prophets, are anointed ones and a type of picture of Christ. All right. Um, the word of the Lord uh, from, from Zion shall go forth instruction and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. The Logos, the Word of God, Christ Jesus. He shall judge. He, notice now he goes, he shall judge between the nations and impose terms on many people. He shall, they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. One nation shall not raise the sword against another and they shall train for, for war and they shall not, nor shall they train for war again. O house of Jacob, let us walk in the light of the Lord. It means the new heaven and new earth. Under Christ, all men are equal before the Lord. It's a new form of democracy because in God's eyes, a new form of egalitarianism, you know, as they call it, an equality, the equality. Because in God's eyes, in the eyes of Christ, before Christ, all nations, he who shall receive all authority of heaven and earth. And everyone, everyone, Will, will be seen as one should be seen before the Lord, made in the image and likeness of God. In Christ they will be redeemed and walk in the light of the Lord. What did Jesus say? I am the light of the world. You, he, who, he who walks, he who believes in me shall not walk in darkness. This is fulfilled in Christ, the person, the incarnation of Jesus. I, you know, this is how, you know, you could tell someone who doesn't believe in God, who asked you the question, why should I believe in Jesus? That in Christ, we will find our fulfillment. We will find who we really are. In Christ, we will be our, a real person. You know, we're redeemed, we're loved and we walk in his footsteps. We we believe in him because he he changes our life. We're not just an insignificant person. Outside of Christ in the world, the secular world, nobody matters. Nobody cares about anybody. But in Christ, he who believes in me, he who follows me will not walk in darkness, but walk in the light because he is the light. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the light of the world. And we are and we are his. And he said he will he who believes in me will you know he, all that the father gives me I will not lose. 
you know, there's a lot, a lot we should learn how to talk about our Lord, how to share our Lord with others. Okay, let's uh, move on to the next, uh, the alternate version. Okay, so now it's Isaiah chapter 4, verse 2 and 6. And this is for cycle A. There will be splendor for the survivors. A reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah. On that day, the branch of the Lord will be luster and glory, and the fruit of the earth will be honor and splendor. For the survivors of Israel, he who remains in Zion and he who is left in Jerusalem will be called holy. Everyone mark, everyone marked down for life in Jerusalem when the Lord washes away the filth of the daughter of Zion and purges Jerusalem's blood from the from her midst with a blast of searing judgment then will the Lord create over the whole side of Mount Zion and over her place of assembly a smoking cloud by day and a light of flaming fire by night for, for over all the Lord's glory will be shelter and protection shade from the parching heat of day of the day refuge and cover from storm and rain okay so this here the branch of the lord will be luster and glory and the fruit of the earth will be honor and splendor for the survivors of israel the fruit of the earth will be honor and splendor all right bear fruit worthy of repentance you much bear, much bear fruit. You know, I am the vine, you are the branches. Bear fruit, fruit worthy of repentance. I remember the words of John the Baptist. And this is something, with, this says here, honor and splendor. And the fruit of the earth will be honor and splendor. Honor and splendor. Okay. A love for Christ. A love for him will help us bear fruit, that his grace will help us bear fruit. Okay, and he says here, for the survivors of Israel. Now, obviously, he's also speaking at the time it was written, but he's also talking of the future, of the future. I mean, technically, yes, the church is the new Israel, but at the same time, the people of uh, the Jewish people are still Israel. He who remains in Zion and he who is left in Jerusalem will be called holy. He who is left in Zion and he who is left in Jerusalem will be called holy. Jerusalem is the new bride. Zion is where the temple is. So, you know, it's basically those who remain in God, in the faith, in the covenant, and in the church will be called holy, holy people. We can, you know, this is something, you know, it's not, it's not a precise interpretation, but it's one way. I'm trying to choose a, a very middle ground in, uh, understanding. Everyone marked down for life in Jerusalem, marked down for life in Jerusalem. Okay. He who remains in Zion and he who is left in Jerusalem will be called holy. Everyone marked down for life in Jerusalem. Anyone. Now this is, remember, the first reading 
can also be, in a sense, can be compared to yesterday's reading in the gospel, where Jesus said the days of Noah and the days of Son of Man, where the flood comes and it will wash away, basically washes away all the unholy people. And here, because later on it says here, uh, if you continue, everyone marked down for holy in Jerusalem when the Lord washes away the filth of the daughters of Zion. You see right there, it's giving you a typological image of the flood. All right. And purges Jerusalem, Jerusalem's blood from the midst with a blast of searing judgment. I'm, I'm picturing, uh, I'm thinking of purgatory purges Jerusalem's blood from her midst. Jerusalem's blood from her midst with the blast of searing judgment. Then will the Lord create over the whole site of Mount Zion and over her place of assembly a smoking cloud by day. This is a picture of the people who when they were wandering in the desert, the Lord covered them with a cloud from the shelter from the sun, right? And a light of flaming fire by night. A light of flaming fire by night. For over all the Lord's glory will be shelter and protection, shade from the parching heat of day, refuge and cover from the storm and rain. So anyone who is in the new covenant, in the, the church of Christ, all the filth will be washed away, eventually all of it, and washed away like he washed away the filth of the first, the first age of the world, when uh, you know all the people outside of the ark, who didn't believe in God, did not love God, and did not want repentance, uh, who loved the flesh, loved sin, loved darkness too much, and here he's talking about the purging, that even those who are in Jerusalem who remain in Jerusalem, even though they struggled with sin, they will be purged, washed, and then eventually all of us will be under the glory of God. And he'll, you know, under the glory of God. And even throughout our lives, we'll be sheltered from storm and heat, but because we remain faithful to him. All right, let's uh, continue to the next. Uh, let's go to Psalm. Psalm. Okay, we got Psalm. Uh, 122 again, just like Sunday. Okay, Psalm 122. Let us go rejoicing to the house of the Lord. I rejoice because they said to me, we will go up to the house of the Lord. And now we have set foot within your gates, O Jerusalem. Let us go rejoicing to the house of the Lord. Jerusalem built as a city with compact unity. To it the tribes go up the tribes of the Lord. Let us go rejoicing to the house of the Lord. According to the decree for Israel, to give thanks to the name of the Lord. In it are set up a judgment, seat, uh, judgment seats, seats for the house of David. Let us go rejoicing to the house of the Lord. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May those who love you prosper. May peace be within your walls prosperity in your buildings. Let us go rejoicing to the house of the Lord. Because of my relatives and friends, I will say peace be within you. 
because of the house of the Lord our God. I will pray for your good. Let us go rejoicing to the house of the Lord. It's a beautiful psalm. Um, it's a beautiful psalm. It speaks of joy. Joy of going and worshiping. Going to going and worshiping and worshiping with your fellow brethren, with your fellow brothers and sisters, to partake in in giving praise to God in his holy house. I mean, I know none there is no perfect um uh, um community. There is no perfect unfortunately worship service because Either you have a kooky priest or uh, or uh, some really kooky par- uh, parishioners who have their own crazy ideas of uh, who are basically not not all in tune. They they're more into the culture than they are uh, worshiping, and that's sad. It's a very sad thing, but you know that's the reality. We got to deal with all these conflicting personality. Um, it's not desired, but it's to be expected, unfortunately, and no one wants it just like you don't have a perfect family, unfortunately, but a lot of this has a lot to do with the fact that people don't know their faith. And that's an important thing that we should, we should try with all our heart to, to be involved in the faith, to be educated in the faith and help others be educated in the faith. It's, it's unfortunate, but it's a fact you know, um, you know, it's not the best thing in the world, but we have to unfortunately work with, with clay. All right. So let's move on to the gospel. Okay. Alleluia, alleluia. Come and save us, Lord, our God. Let your face shine upon us that we may be saved. Alleluia, alleluia. Many will come from east and, and west into the kingdom of heaven. Matthew, the gospel according to Matthew chapter 8, verse 5 and 11. When Jesus entered Capernaum, a centurion approached him and appealed to him saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home, paralyzed, suffering dreadfully he said to him i will come and cure him the centurion said in reply lord i am not worthy to have you enter under my roof only say the word and my servant will be healed only say the word and my servant will be healed for i too am a man subject to authority with soldiers subject to me and i say to one go and he goes and to another come and he comes and to my slave do this and he does it when jesus heard this he was amazed and said to those following him amen i say to you no one in israel have i found such faith i say to you many will come from the east and the west and will recline with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob at the banquet in the kingdom of heaven. The word of the, the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. I'll read it one more time. When Jesus entered Capernaum, a centurion approached him 
and appealed to him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed, suffering dreadfully. He said to him, I will come and cure him. The centurion said in reply, Lord, I am not worthy to have you enter under my roof. Only say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I too am a man subject to authority, with soldiers subject to me. And I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come here, and he comes, and to my slave, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed and said to those following him, Amen, I say to you, in, in, no, in no one in Israel, in no one in Israel have I found such faith. I say to you, many will come from east and west and will recline with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob at the banquet in the kingdom of heaven. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So this, this one is very famous. And notice the words. I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only say the word. And I shall be healed, or your servant shall be healed. This is this is probably the most popular one. There have been paintings, illustrations, um, movies. Um, Ernest Berg, Bergnine in the Jesus of Nazareth movie played the um, the centurion. You know, probably a little too old at that time to play a centurion, but he did seems to um, enjoyed uh, wanted to play this beautiful role it's a beautiful role it's a beautiful part of the Bible <clears throat> it's a, a perfect example of faith it's a beautiful scene um, and this is this is basically what he did what, what he did there think about it he said this in front of all the whole crowd He's obviously been listening to Jesus, hearing Jesus, watching Jesus heal people. And when his servant, a servant he cared about, most likely loved like a, a, as a family member and as a, a son, perhaps, he went to him. He went out of the way in front of the public and begged for this healing. And this is this proves it. This proves that this is the kind of worship that Christ wants. And look what, in the end, we've been reading through uh, both Isaiah's about nations coming to worship at the house of the Lord on top of the mountain of the Lord. And look, all are welcome. All will recline. With recline, east and west, and will recline with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob at the banquet in the kingdom of heaven. It's beautiful. It is beautiful, and it's, this is this is a perfect example of faith. And so we should think about this for um, for the next for the next day or so of how to how you know how to model ourselves, and we should model ourselves right after the centurion. All right, um, I'll do the closing prayer. So. Um, I wanted to say this before I go further. At pray, pray for an increase of faith. Pray, pray to God to ask Him to give you the grace to love Him 
as he deserves to be loved. Pray for the grace to really love him and, and grow in his love. Pray to please him, to ask him to give you the grace to please him, to help you become, a, to come, to become the person he wants you to be. And to give you the grace to, to grow. This is not basically asking for anything impossible. Because not we have to pray that nothing is impossible for God. And this is important. With the centurion, the centurion being a soldier, think about it. He had to have enough faith to trust that the other men would back him up during battle, will watch his back. But when he saw miracles, he had to have seen the miracles. And he had to see the changes that happened to people's lives. He knew enough that Jesus is God and that he can do whatever he wants to do for, for wherever he is. He didn't think, see his house worthy that Christ should come underneath his house. But he knew that Christ can do it from where he is because he saw that he was Dominus, that he was God, that he was Lord. And the serpent was healed. And he was rewarded. So why should we not ask, we should pray for the faith. You know, I always said when Solomon became king, he asked for wisdom. he later on became very arrogant and intellectual. What he probably should have prayed for, I think, was faith and the grace to love God, to love God and to always please him and be humble before him. Those are things that I think are more important, to fear and to love him. You, the, the best way to be the, a, a, a good leader, I think, is that you have to pray. Pray for the grace. Pray for the strength. These things are important, and everyone needs to know this. These things are important. We need to pray more for greater faith and greater love. All the other stuff will come, you know, will, you know, will come in time. Christ will give us the strength to do and to, to, to do great things, wonderful things. We need this kind of faith. We need it and we should pray for it. Okay. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, now and forever. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless.